Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for the Deer Talk Now podcast. We are live today, joined with Brad Rucks. Brad? Hey, welcome. I'm glad I'm here. It's been a while since you and I have done one together. We have a special guest again today, Nick Munt. Um, You know Nick probably from a lot of different things, but probably most notably from the Bone Collectors. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Hey, guys. Welcome. Great to be here. Thanks, welcome, Nick. Thanks thank, for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, really nice to be able to sit here and take some time out of our day to do this. We want to get through a bunch of things today, but um, the first thing I want to do is wherever you're listening to this podcast or watching the video version, please like and subscribe. That's all we ask you to do. You don't have to pay for it. It's free, but it helps us bring you these shows every week. Every Thursday, we drop them, Deer Talk Now podcast. And if you need to know where you can find the video versions, just go to our website, deerandeerhunting.com. Nick, let's talk about... um, you know, you and I have never met personally. I know your background. I've watched your videos. I've seen all the stuff you've done with, with Michael and T-Bone and a lot of cool stuff over the years. But the connection I found that we have is you guided in Wyoming for quite a few years. You're from Spearfish, South Dakota, correct? That's that's correct. Yep. Yeah. And I was a guide for uh, quite a few years at 7G Outfitters, which is uh, just across the state line. I grew up in Spearfish. Yep. And Sundance, Wyoming, where they're headquartered is just, you know, like 30 miles away. So that's that's, that's kind of where I got my start. Yeah. Because I've been hunting. You probably know Ralph Dampman. Uh, Ralph, you know, I, know the, I know the name, but I don't believe okay. I know him. I've hunted with him the past 15 years. He's right outside of Sundance uh, up by Devil's Tower. And I've yeah. always told people, and I thought you could maybe bring some light on this, because I've always thought Wyoming... Uh, I haven't hunted South Dakota, but I'm sure it's the same thing, is probably one of the most hidden treasures for whitetail hunting. It really is. You know, um, on any given afternoon at any time of the year, you can literally go for a drive, um, you know, take a loop from around Sundance all the way around, go through Hewlett, back around to Belfouche, South Dakota, and literally you can see a thousand deer. And I've showed I've showed people that they don't they don't believe it. Um, but I could, I, I used to tell people, you know, I can take you on an hour and a half drive at dusk and I will show you at least a thousand head of deer. And it's just a really a game rich area. Um, you know, the, the, um, the deer are very plentiful. Um, you know, they're kind of a, they're kind of a mountain deer. So they're smaller bodied. There's, they they kind of remind you of Texas deer. And I really didn't realize it until, um, I started to get out a little bit, you know, I grew up there and that's where my whole hunting world got started and so um when i would hunt in eastern south dakota the deer there obviously had bigger bodies and so i could tell a difference but it really didn't hit me until i started working for Realtree, and i started videoing all over the country and then i'd go back home and i'd just see these deer and they're just little bodies mm-hmm. um you know like a four-year-old buck will be anywhere from 130 to 150 typically and um but just lots of really nice bucks you get a lot of action you see tons of deer from the stand every day. Um, you know, you're not hunting, you're not hunting 180 inch bucks, but it really is a special place. And, and, uh, just the amount of deer you see in turkeys and that, that country's now, you know, becoming better and better for elk. I mean, it's just, uh, it's something that if you're a white tail hunter, you got to see sometime, what? you know, it's not a destination to go, like I said, for a 200 inch buck. Yep. And, and I, and, and I'm not saying like they're around every tree I've killed, you know, one, 200 inch white tail in my career, but to go and just have a great hunt, see a lot of animals and kill a nice buck. I mean, it is one of the best places you can ever go. Totally agree. What amazes me out there is those deer live in these little pockets of nothingness, you know, cause you can be sitting in, in a spot and think, wow, I'm not even going to see a deer in this spot. What did they put me in next? You know, 20 deer pop out of this little area that you thought nothing would live in. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and you know, um, as as summer comes to an end, um, you know that country is is pretty arid. You know, they get most of their moisture from from spring snowfall, really. Um, so in the turkey season, you know, they get these literally like one and two foot snows a couple times during turkey season, and that's kind of how they get their moisture. And so the summertime's real dry, and so by the time September first rolls around typically everything's burned up and brown and those alfalfa fields are nice and green and the deer are just pounding them. And, you know, those first three, three, four days of season, you can kill a buck in velvet and highly patternable. I mean, it's just a, uh, if you're a whitetail hunter and you like to, you know, adapt to a situation and get in there and glass in the morning, see where the deer are going, see where they're coming, put in a little bit of time. 
it's just a really awesome place to go and not only hone your whitetail skills, but if you're a guy that's from Pennsylvania or New York and you're a good deer hunter and you've never had a chance to kill a Pope and Young type buck, it's a hell of a place to go to just to get that done because you have so many opportunities and you can, you can hunt them. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, super tough like it is out there on the east coast you know you got great hunters out there that don't ever get a chance to hunt animals like this so it's a it's a great place to to go and and show your deer skills really it's kind of like turkey hunting the way i i've learned because you screw up on one you're gonna have another chance at another one yeah yeah you are and 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 a lot of mature deer you know a lot of three and four year old bucks um it's, it's hunted pretty heavily, but year after year after year, it just produces, you know, those older class deer. And it's just a, it's an amazing place. And when you get out there, it's just so beautiful and the weather's nice. You know, typically most guys are bow hunting, um, early season, you know, the, the season's in September and, uh, you know, you get the rare occasion where it rains or, or you get maybe even a few snow flurries in September, but typically really nice weather and, um, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place to go. Awesome, enjoyable bow hunting. Um, crossbow hunting is legal, so if you want to yep. hunt with a crossbow, you can hunt with a crossbow. Um, right. One thing that you know, I hunted. I've hunted obviously with an outfitter every time I've gone out there. You work mm-hmm. for an outfitter. What are the opportunities for the guys who want to uh, hunt public land? Are there enough areas for those guys? Yeah, you know the the Black Hills National Forest um, on the South Dakota side and on the Wyoming side. Um, there's well over a million acres of public land. Um, obviously, you know, the agriculture and the stuff that's drawing the deer in are, you know, mostly on private, but if a guy does his homework, you know, usually about the 12th to 15th of September, the acorns are really falling heavy. And then those deer kind of start quit. They, they, they quit hitting the, the alfalfa real heavy. And then they start really concentrating in those oak draws. So, you know, there's places on public land where if you can find one of those big oak pockets that's dropping acorns, you can get a stand up next to it. And I mean, you can have amazing luck. And there's years that the acorns are falling so heavy that you don't even see a deer on the fields. And that's wow. that's what one of the great things about um, like at 7J Outfitters, those guys get a handle on where those deer are going. And so, you know, they're on deer all year long where, um, you know, people that aren't honed in as much will be sitting on an alfalfa field. There's no deer coming to. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of public land and if you can get, you know, up off some of those fields that have, that have public right behind them, you know, do your homework and you can have some great hunts and, and, uh, there's just a ton of public ground out there. And and then later on in the year during the rut, you know, you get some heavy snowfalls, some of those, some of those deer move out of the high country down a little bit lower in some of that public land and, um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for the public land hunter out there. There's no doubt about it. That's pretty cool. Nick, I know Realtree's been going out there forever. Is that how you got connected with Realtree? Yeah, so I was guiding there, and uh, gosh, I think it was in, uh, I think maybe like 1997, I think, or 98, David Blanton and, and Bill came. They had heard about us. You know, we had started building a real good reputation at 7j and they had heard about us and wanted to come and do a show and so um we we let them come and do a show we were doing we were doing a few you know there weren't many tv shows at that time but we were doing a few little video deals and um i always had my video camera and um just videoed my clients and videoed the animals i was seeing and and uh, videoed the kids at 7j and so when David came, I was guiding him and the, the very first afternoon, you know, you got so much downtime in the middle of the day. Um, we went in and, and had breakfast and, um, I said, Hey, can I show you some of my footage? He said, absolutely. You know, and we, we hit it off right away. David's just a great guy. And so we sat down I showed him six or seven Turkey hunts that I had videoed, um, you know, in your face, just coming right to the decoy and beautiful Miriam's turkeys and a couple of deer hunts that I had videoed. And that very first day he said, Holy crap, man, you run a good camera he said you know we're always looking for guys like you would you consider coming to work for us and i said that'd be like a dream come true you know so um i went to jeff jeff and deb and and said hey you know he's i had been there for several years at 7j and i was one of their head guides i ran one of their mule deer camps out of newcastle wyoming and um you know was in there pretty tight with them and so 
I was a little bit nervous to ask them, you know, get their blessing to leave, you know, which I wanted to do because, you know, we're just such good friends and family, really. And they said, yeah, you know, they, they thought that would be a great opportunity for me, you know, didn't try to hold me back or anything, but they asked me if I would just guide for one more year so they could find somebody to replace me. And so I did that. And then uh, that next spring, um, after I had talked to them, Michael came out and and uh, he had never shot a Miriams before. So he and I and Jeff went out and we got him his first Miriams and I videoed that. So that was my very first video that I ever, that I ever filmed for Realtree. And then um, just kind of went from there, just started videoing and you know, they were sending me all over the country with, you know, people that were um, had licensing agreements, you know, like guys from different boot companies and clothing companies. And um, we would go out and I would basically guide them and film them. And, you know, I would move stands and hang stands and just help guys get their animals. And and then we would, uh, you know, capture all the footage for Monster Bucks and, and the Realtree Outdoors TV show. And that's kind of how, how it all got started. And then, uh, you know, from there, I, I did it for nine years. And then from there, you know, Michael's persona was really starting to grow and um, Realtree Road Trips came about and we started doing that. And, you know, I didn't get a bunch of opportunities to hunt on road trips, but I was in camp a lot. And so um, the people got to see um, kind of, the, you know, the meat and potatoes, warts and all kind of deal of, of what we did behind the scenes, you know, screwing around in camp, playing wiffle ball. And and Michael and I just are our, our, um chemistry that we had together and making people laugh and rapping and all the bullshit. Oh, excuse me. All, but, <laughs> all the stuff that we have done, you know? And so from there, it was just time for him to spread his wings. And he just came to me one day and said, Hey, we need to, we need to go out on our own and start our own brand. And, and, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to still be heavily involved with the real tree. You know, they're giving us their support. So we had a, whole bunch of sponsors line up that wanted to on board and man it just took off and you know when we started Realtree Road Trips um it just kind of changed the way that people filmed television outdoor television I agree 100 you know in the beginning it was uh it was just kind of get to camp you know a little bit of banter get in the stand do the setup shoot the deer maybe film a little meal or something but what we really wanted to do is we really wanted to uh, be heavy on camp life and heavy on entertainment and the kill was the meat and potatoes. So that's kind of what we did. And and at that time, you know, reality TV was just kind of starting to come on and, and Steve Finch was our producer and he had just a great vision for it. And so it just, it just uh, rolled into something pretty dang big. And then that rolled into bone collector. And here we are today, 15 years of doing bone collector and it's gone by like five minutes, really. That's crazy. I can't even think that it has been 15 years already. But you guys were trendsetters on that because, as Nick mentioned, um, there was no reality TV in hunting. And Mm -hmm. what I think, what I applaud you guys for was, I think I read it somewhere, was you didn't want to apologize for being part of the, you know, the hunting community, the hunting, wanted to show hunters who they truly are. And that's, you know, fun loving guys and gals that work hard and play hard and, and, and you, and you bring that through. How difficult was that when you went from, okay, you kind of had that security blanket, you know, you're working for an outfitter. Now you're working for a real tree. Now you guys are busting out on your own. Yeah. I mean, especially Michael, like you said, he was a rising rock star, but still that had to be pretty scary to kind of just say, okay, we're going all in on this. Yeah, it was. And, and really luckily, you know, Michael, it's all Michael. I mean, he's, you know, he did a deal right after he quit at Realtree with uh, Gander Mountain for a couple of years that allowed him to um, basically put everything together to do Bone Collector. And so he put his neck on the line. You know, I was just lucky to ride his coattails and come along for the ride, you know, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've ridden his coattails for the last 15 years. Um, but uh, his vision of it and his hard work and, and, him literally putting his ass on the line is what got us to where we're at. And, uh, you know, in the beginning you talked about us, um, you know, being proud to be a hunter and and all that kind of stuff. That was one of the things that we really wanted to promote was, uh, you know, it's cool to wear your camouflage hat in public to church or in the airport. And, you know, we don't want to make excuses for being, being hunters. We want to play offense rather than defense. And, um, you know, just, just, bringing hunting to the mainstream and trying to get as many people involved and supporting second amendment. And, 
Um, also making sure that, you know, a lot of times hunting personalities, they're, they're more worried about the, about the hunting, like the, the, the TV personality side of it, rather than they are supporting hunting, getting more people involved, selling tags, getting kids into it. And so that's one of the things that we really wanted to do was let's promote this thing. Cause if we don't, it's going to go away. And, and, uh, you know, over the years, I think we've, I think we've done a good job of that and making sure that people know hunting's for everybody. You know, it's not just for, it's not just for the rich. It's not just for the guy that's a better hunter. It's for everybody. If you want to shoot a doe, shoot a doe. If you want to shoot a spike, do that. If you want to hunt monster deer, that's, that's up to you too. And so, um, that's, that's what the brotherhood's about. And, um, you know, that's something that we've been, been proud of. And I think we've done a good job at just promoting hunting as a whole and, you know, hunt for what, for what you want it for and, and put your values forward. And if you're a, like I said, if you're a meat hunter, do that. If, if you, you know, if it's Brown, it's down, or if you want to shoot that giant, we're happy with that too. We just want people out and selling licenses. So. Hey everybody want to take a quick break to thank apex outdoor rewards for sponsoring this episode of deer talk. Now, if you're not familiar with apex outdoor rewards, it was founded on fair chase hunting and an overall passion for the outdoors. This spring, participating hunters have a chance to win big payouts in the 2023 Turkey Hunting Challenge. The 2023 challenge is currently available in 23 states and is set to provide new benefits for hunters like weekly giveaways, exclusive manufacturer discounts, and Apex Partner Contingency Rewards. Signing up is really easy. Just go to apexoutdoorrewards.com, create your own account, and then pick the state that you're going to be hunting in. I am personally excited to follow along and see the leaderboards, see who's bagged the biggest gobblers, and I wish good luck to everybody out there. Again, just go to apexoutdoorrewards.com for more information. I think people can relate to you because, like, like here, we're out of Wisconsin, you know that, but deer camp is a way of life, right? I mean, like, opening day of firearm season, you know, 700,000 people get out there in the woods. Most of those guys aren't what we call the hardcore hunters. You know, they're the weekend warriors, but they're mm-hmm. having fun just like you guys are in camp, and that's why they relate to you guys so well. I mean, that, that's my opinion. I think, that you, you know, you're just not to the elitist. You, you reach that core audience of hunters in general. And, and those guys, you know, love shooting anything. So, And I think it's because of that um, non-filtered approach yeah, that, that that's what's doing it. Because if you look at – the other thing that we should mention is when we think about Bone Collector, we th- think of Michael. We think of Nick, but we also think of T-Bone Travis. Um, yep. How did Travis come into the uh, mix with? Because uh, basically, we think of you, you three. I don't want to. I know you're probably uncomfortable with it, but like hunting celebrities or hunting personalities, I guess is a better term. Um, how did Travis come into play? I know he was a very uh, successful tournament shooter. Yeah. So, so uh, Travis is, I mean, a heck of an archer. One of the best I've ever seen. I mean, the guy can. He can shoot the nipples off a gnat, you know. I mean, the guy is, <laughs> the guy is awesome. <laughs> but uh, I almost spit tea all over my laptop. He was, <laughs> he, was uh, he he had his own bow shop, and so he started doing work for the guys at Real Tree, and um, then they wanted to uh, when they started doing the bow shoot on Monster Bucks, they brought him in, you know, um, kind of as a personality to do that with Foxworthy and. Um, his, his persona just started growing from there and, and, uh, just, you know, one of those guys that he's just magnetic, you know, people love him. Everybody's attracted to him. Super nice guy. I mean, he's, um, he's just, a yeah. you know, he, he can, he can talk to a crowd, he can talk to an individual and he'll never alienate anybody. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy that he just wants to make people happy. And, uh, so we, you know, Michael, when, when he's, you know, told me that he wanted to go out on his own. He said, you know, it's going to be you and T-Bone and me. We're going to do this together and just couldn't ask for a better guy. And T-Bone, um, you know, we all kind of have our own little, little facets of what we know. So T-Bone is really heavy into archery. Um, you know, the geometry of it, the, the mechanics of it, the, um, engineering of bows and how they shoot and how to set them up. 
Um, and that's T-Bone's thing. Like he is just the be- one of the best bow wrenches I've ever seen in my life. Like I've had guys set up my bow, um, shoots great. I'm tacking with it. And then I go take it to T-Bone. He says, well, we need to tweak this. We need to tweak that. And then it even becomes better, you know? So he's one of the best bow wrenches around. And so that's always kind of been his, his thing. Um, he loves to hunt and he loves people. Um, I think, but most of all, he loves that camaraderie that we get at hunting camp, you know, and just being there and congratulating the, the guy that shoots the deer and, um, you know, giving pep talks and, you know, you just don't find a better guy. He's just great. And, you know, he's been through some adversity here these last couple of months, you know, or in the last year, you know, he's, he had cancer on his leg and they took his leg off. Um, he went through a couple rounds of chemo before that. And then they found a spot on his lung. Um, and they went in and, and it, this spot, they wasn't sure, they weren't sure if it was just like a, like a nodule or if it was actually cancer. Um, and they were going to keep their eye on it. And he said, no, we're, we're not doing that. Um, I want you to get it out of there. So they took it out and ended up being cancer. And it was like 99.6% dead. Mm-hmm. And so they got it out and they said, you know, that typically this type of cancer that he has goes typically from the leg to the lung, this type of sarcoma. And, um, so they said with, you know, getting that out of there and then the chemo that he went through, he's, he's cancer free at this point. So that's really good. That's awesome. Um, yeah, T-Bone's, you don't find better guys in, in bone and amazing attitude. And through all of this, you know, he's just had a, he's had an unbelievable attitude and, you know, on the outside, he looks like there's, there's nothing wrong with him. You know, um, he just is a super tough guy and super positive and, um, I'm sure, I'm sure at home he's having his struggles, you know, not being able to get out and get around as good as he once did. Um, but we're all, you know, thinking about him and praying for him. And so, um, he's going to get, he's going to get back out here. We're going to get him back out and, and, you know, this next year, hopefully he'll get on a few hunts with us and, nice. um, but he's doing well. So That's great. yeah, we, we love him to death. He's a great guy. Yeah. Sorry if I got long winded no, on not that. Not at all. Not at all. We, we've actually been thinking about him just watching the, the posts and, and following basically following his career over the years and it's uh, i met him once he probably doesn't remember it but he was no, so, you'd be surprised you'd be surprised he's such a nice guy he was so approachable um you know how it is you're at a show and you got you know, well not not me or brad but i mean like you guys go to a show and you have people swarming you got a lot of people wanting to talk to you or get your autograph or things like that and um some people it turns them into different people um, and, uh, I could tell he's just a, a regular, normal guy. Like you said, genuinely nice guy that, um, wants, wants to just know what you're talking about or what you're saying. And I think that's absolutely, that's pretty cool, but we'll definitely keep him in our prayers. Where is, um, bone collector today? Like what, what, what are you guys, I mean, is it still just clicking along? Do you have uh, more plans going forward in the future? I know you do other things. I know you do. Um, some guiding and outfitting on things also. Um, What is the future of Bone Collector? So um, it's really going good right now. We're, we're, like I said, we're in our 15th season, just airing now on the Outdoor Channel on Sunday nights is our main showing. Um, But we've got a lot of cool stuff coming. We've just launched, uh, last year we launched, or maybe two years ago now, we launched our um, game calls. We've got all kinds of turkey calls and deer calls, and um, I think we're going to be coming with some elk calls. Um, they're great. We've got literally the best team of, uh, callers that are building our calls for us. I mean, guys that are world champions that are literally building our calls. I mean, we've got the best team building this stuff. Um, we've got a whole new line of scents coming um, from, um, you know, scent containment elimination, um, kind of that herd scent kind of deal, um, cover scents. Uh, we got a whole a whole line of those coming. We actually just came out with a new shotgun. We had a shotgun built. Um, it's not one that uh, somebody built for us and put our name on it. We built it. We designed it from the ground up. That was going to be um, my question. Who's, sweet. who's, who's yeah. making it for you? But you, you yeah, guys we, made it yourself. Yeah, we had it made in Turkey, um, and it is an amazing gun. We um, have run it through the rigor. Uh, Jackson Bishop, who is our, our CEO at Bone Collector, he had the biggest part in, in putting this thing together along with Michael and um, they put it through rigorous tests. They put the cheapest shells they could through it and shot it a million times and got it dirty and made sure it wasn't going to jam and that everything was working good on it. I mean, it is a 
if I can say so. It is a badass. That turkey is gun. pretty cool. Are are they out for sale already? Yep, they're ready. Uh, you can go to our you can go to the Bone Collector website and you can buy them right on the website, oh, and they'll ship it to your FFL. You order it, and it'll be there within five days. Can you shoot tungsten through it. Obviously. You can shoot whatever you want through it. It's two and three quarter and three inch. Yeah. Um, twenty inch barrel. It's got a Picatinny rail on the top, so mm-hmm. you can so you can. Uh, you know, put a, a red a red dot on it if you want. And then the cool thing about that Picatinny is it's got a valley running through the middle of it. So if you want to just shoot the bead, you don't have to take the Picatinny off. And then on the front underneath the barrel, it's got another Picatinny. So if you want to put a Tacticam or something like that on it, you can. Um, and then um, soon we're going to be coming out with a 28-inch barrel. So if you want to buy a, a second barrel for it to shoot waterfowl or whatever with it, you can. Um, we've got a 20-gauge coming too. So nice. Um, that's pretty exciting stuff. You know, we had, um, we had them at the NWTF show and I think we sold, I don't know, we sold 30 or 40 of them right at the show. Right. And, um, they're really a cool looking gun. They're kind of a beige and olive green color and they blend in well and, um, super tough gun. Um, it's got a, a pretty good size, um, you know, loading, loading mechanism on it. Um, and, uh, like I said, you know, over the years we've been with several different gun companies and, we shot some pretty cool shotguns. And so we took everything that we liked from those, um, and, and put it into this new gun. So it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so that's a perfect segue for turkey hunting. Um, I know you guys are eating up with turkey. Let me ask you first. Um, you, I probably know what your answer is going to be, but where's your favorite place to, to hunt turkeys? Oh, uh, I think, you know, just cause I grew up, you know, in Wyoming and South Dakota. That's I what mean, I was going to guess. I, I love that there. I love it. You only it's, get one tag though, don't you? Well, you know, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit. Um, back in the, er, you know, earlier, you used to be able to get one in the Black Hills. You could, that was an over-the-counter tag. I think it still is. You could get an archery tag, which is also, it's not over-the-counter. You have to send in for it, but they're unlimited. And then you could put in for um, different counties out on the prairie. There's prairie tags. And so some of those, some of those counties, um, you get two, two gobbler oh, tags okay. when you drop but then some of those counties you know before it got so big some of those counties had leftover tags and you could get as many leftover tags as you wanted so shoot there was years i'd have eight or ten turkey tags in south dakota and the cool part about it is south dakota is you know on the western side of the state in the black hills is like hunting the mountains and you got miriams um you go a little east and you start to get out on the prairie where you got the big cottonwood bottoms and the cedars now you're starting to get into hybrids rios and and miriams and both you know so you have three three types rios miriams and hybrids and then you get over on the eastern side of the state um and you get into eastern so literally you can you can you know almost fill your slam and you could probably if you were a good turkey hunter and you had the means to do it you could literally probably you know shoot your slam south dakota you know three bird slam and go to florida and kill an osceola like the first week of the turkey season there and you could literally probably kill a grand slam in 24 hours if you had the means to do it wow yeah so you know just the resource the resources in south dakota um they've done a great job of managing and a lot of turkeys um and you know one of the things that i think probably hurts our turkeys the most is those big spring snowstorms but you know there's no shortage of turkeys in south dakota it's it's a it's a jam up place to hunt and always have always been successful there and yeah they're not as they're not as hard you know to hunt as those turkeys in alabama and georgia Ooh, those so, are difficult dude, my, yeah, my, my are. first time in alabama i'll never forget it I, I literally saw this bird coming he's coming right for me and i thought i'm gonna make him gobble just one last time you know <laughs> man i hit the call and he turned and he ran so far and i was like oh my god what did i do yeah. wrong it's just a different world well, down there they say you know they say everybody says all oh, those turkeys out there in wyoming and south dakota they're stupid you know well they haven't had rednecks chasing them for 300 <laughs> years like they have in Georgia. So, but, um, you know, it, on, on, on the public land though, you know, in South Dakota and the black Hills, once they get pressure a little bit, they're tougher to kill for sure. Um, but it's just a great place to hunt. It's beautiful. You know, it's, it's the prettiest bird there is. I think, you know, those white there tips is, yeah. and white buff on them are, are awesome. And their gobbles unmistakable. You know, I've, I've literally called turkeys in from as far as you can possibly hear them in the spring there. Like you hear them, two mountain ranges over gobble at the top of a mountain it's like oh my god i don't want to go all the way over there so you keep calling and then pretty soon you can tell they're down in the valley 
then you can't hear them for half an hour. Then boop, they pop up on the next ridge and it's like, man, he's coming, I think. And literally it might take two, three hours, but they come for miles. And it's just a, it's just an awesome bird. The gobble is just the coolest out of all of them, you know. The gobble is cool. You can hear it from a long ways. And yep. I'm sure you've experienced this. I've experienced it at Ralph's where you have like a, a valley and it's just, it's like the wave at the Packer game. It's just solid gobbles, and it comes back. Yeah. To, it comes back to yeah. like that. It's just amazing. Yeah. I, for yeah. me, for me, I would never tag one of those birds because that half an hour when he went down in the valley, I already went to the gas station and got a dime Mountain Dew. I don't have. It, it's weird. I can sit in a deer stand literally all 20, day, all, yep. all day long, mm-hmm. and not see a deer. Yep. I mean, I went to Saskatchewan this year, sat for six days, and saw four deer. But when it comes to turkeys, they don't gobble. I'm out of there. I'm, I just, for whatever yeah, see, reason, yeah. That's I'll, how I'm with. That's how I'm with fishing. Is it like if, <laughs> if the fish are biting good, I'm I'm all in. But if you know, if I get a little bit bored. Getting bored. I gotta have. I gotta have beer or something when I'm. Yeah, fishing. you gotta get moving. Yeah. Well, so, guaranteed beer. Or wait, no, unlimited <laughs> beer, guaranteed fish. Then, then, then I'll yeah. go fishing. So, how many states are you turkey hunting in the spring, Nick? You know, it's sad. I don't even have a schedule put together, but I typically hunt um, here in Minnesota. Um, we're loaded with turkeys around here. Um, I live right on the Wisconsin line. I'm, I'm outside of Osceola, Wisconsin. I didn't, I didn't so. Know that. so do you come over yeah. on our side too? Cause yeah, I do. I usually get a few of those leftovers. I always, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's goofy in Wisconsin. They have the turkey drawing in December, so I always miss it. So I always get a few leftovers. And then last year I shot one over there. And um, and then I'll probably, I'll probably get to, to South Dakota and hunt a little bit. Um, you know, possibly go like to Tennessee uh kentucky hunted last year well I'll you run, o- run over here brad i'll let you shoot him on his yeah he's, i got a bunch of them he's uh, got a bunch and that's only that from your house what, i didn't realize what you zone are you in what zone are you in? Uh, three attack. zone three okay. and they, they go on sale in like uh the t- week of the 20th yeah i, I, I got a buddy that doesn't they, they turkey hunt the first couple days mm-hmm. and yep. uh those later periods I have yep. another industry friend that wants to come up, and he his first thing is, "Hey, can we go over to Dave's? Because this place is like literally unhunted. I mean, yeah. you'll you'll see six, seven long beards and shoot one the first morning you go there. I mean, it's it's that okay. Good. Well, I'm I'm putting in for zone three. Then. Put in for zone <laughs> there three. you go. Yeah, it's 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 good. Great turkeys, just small properties, as you probably yeah. know. It's just well, you know, and that's how it is here. Um, you know, when you hunt Waddell, man, he's he's literally the best turkey hunter. I mean. I would I would be willing to bet that there's nobody that can kill turkeys like Waddell. The guy is awesome at it. He is so good and he's taught me so much. And around here, you know, we just we just can't run and gun because if you spook them off your property, it's over. So I've got a I've got one piece that's about 100, 110 acres. It's probably a 75 acre field. So there's a little bit of timber. It's always got turkeys. I've got another piece that's 20 acres. I got another piece that's 30 acres. And so, you know, I just we have to just sneak in and get in a blind and put out decoys. And every time we go out, we see turkeys. We always have turkeys in the decoys. It might just be hens. Yep. But, you know, you got to tiptoe around them because if you spook them off those small properties, you're, you're done. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, that's what we're looking at here. You know, if you look at the, you know, we use, we use base map. Um, if, if I look, get on my phone and look at base map, I mean, it's just like a checkerboard yep. of 10, 15, 20, 30 acre properties after, you know, a hundred acres here is a huge piece of ground. And so running and gunning is completely out of the question. Maybe the last week of season, you know, if you really want to get aggressive, if you haven't killed, but typically I take these kids out and we're done within the first couple of, you know, first couple of hunts for sure. And um, so it's a little bit different hunting here. You know, you just have to be patient and, and literally tiptoe around. We, we are very, very careful. I'm, I'm really careful with these turkeys. Cause I, you know, I love hunting them and I want to get them for the kids and stuff. And so it's tough if you, if you spook try them. Try to keep the pressure off of them. As yeah. Well. yeah. I, hey, I think Dan and I are going to have to challenge you today. Apex Celebrity Challenge. We'll see who gets the biggest bird this spring. Dano's, okay. Dano's sounding like he doesn't turkey hunt at all, but how many did you shoot last spring? I, sh- I shot five Yeah, last spring. Really? I oh, shot one great. in every – I got tags for five out of the six periods and I killed one in all five. Or all, that was the first time I've ever done that. Oh, that's awesome! But Good all the you. properties yeah. are small. All I mean, my yeah. I go from nine acres to like twenty-five acres, and yep. one on public land. So it's, I love it. I love it. If well, you know Brian Lovett. Uh, Brian Lovett's a great friend of mine. He he's eaten up with turkey hunting. I, if I had his ambition, I would do the, like like those guys used to do, like you guys used to do, you know, yep. uh, or was it the juries? They'd always say March to May. 
I can't yeah. wake I can't wake up <laughs> that early that many days in a row. Absolutely well, love it. No, but we need to do it. Um Apex Outdoor Rewards, they've got that thing. I know we can't actually officially do it, but we're gonna challenge each other. Yeah. I it, think that'd be a good, a, good. I think that'd be a good you, uh, did you guys get in on the are you in on the deer side of it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had you, a spike. You... I shot a spike, so I, I think I, I'm going to uh, beat Brad on the small deer uh, category. Um, uh, but I did shoot a beautiful buck in Kansas. Uh, he's darn near 150 uh, eight-pointer. Oh, so, great. yeah, it was, a, it was a nice buck. What about you, Brad? I couldn't kill a deer if it was standing <laughs> in front of me. I, I mean, literally, I blundered on one that was 24 inches wide and misjudged the yardage after oh. I even got him in the rangefinder. And we wanted to put the tape to him. Oh, really yeah, I wanted to put he a was... tape to him too. He was the widest deer I've ever seen, and all the while I'm like, he's coming into a decoy, right? So you're just thinking, man, this is a slam dunk. He's going to swing around to the front. I'm going to drill him at 20 yards, and for whatever reason, another buck. You know, with decoying, you can actually have too many bucks, right? One was cutting yeah. into the front, so he came to the ass end. He smelled something on the butt. It spooked. Stopped. I lasered him at 43 yards, I think it was. But when I was putting my rangefinder back in my pocket, got stuck around my release. <laughs> and so I looked down, and when I looked down, he took another 12 steps and ran out. Now he stopped at 55, right? And I didn't know that. Yeah. Took my time, pulled back, and chooks, watched the arrow miss him by two inches Just right underneath the front missed. of the chest. I, I felt bad for you on that one. That was yeah, and after time. that, somehow I hit a branch in Kansas that, that literally I missed one at 20 yards by six feet. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I did that I did that in Utah. I was uh, hunting these mule deer, and I'd been out every day in the middle of the day. I shoot no matter where I'm at. I shoot every day. I mean, I just, I just always want to be ready. So in the middle of the day, I shoot, and... I'm out there shooting 70, 80, 90, you know, hundred yards. Cause I know, I know I'm going to get a shot at 70 and I want to make it count on these mule deer. And so my buddy Cohen and I, we go out and we get in this irrigation ditch and we had watched these deer come off this big mountain down in the South alpha field. So we get in this ditch and over to our left is the trail where they're going to be coming. And all of a sudden we could hear footsteps coming. So we get down, we built this brush out of, we built this blind out of sagebrush. So we get down and, I'm down and Cohen's just got his camera up enough to see. And the deer comes out and he's like, Oh yeah. He says, it's one of those big three points. And I said, is he a shooter? He says, I don't know. You, you look and see. And I said, how far is he? He said, he's about 20 yards. And so I peeked up real slow and the deer was about 20 and then he kind of trotted out and he was at 40. So I'm shooting a four pin, um, HHA adjustable. So I'm 20, 30, 40, 50, and then beyond 50, I roll and use my bottom pin. So I'm, so I range him. He's 40 on the button. So I'm like, Oh, you know, chip shot. So I draw, get settled in there. I'm not nervous or anything because it's just a, it's a, it's a 24 inch wide, three by three, beautiful in velvet, but not a giant. So my heart wasn't beating out of my chest or anything. I just thought, man, this is going to be the most beautiful video. He's looking down into this big alfalfa field. There's these beautiful red rocks in the background. And all I'm thinking is, God, this is going to be the most beautiful kill ever. <laughs> I shoot and my arrow went. 20 feet over his back. <laughs> I had been shooting at 80, 90 yards. Forgot I forgot to, to roll my sight. And gosh, what an idiot. I just felt like a complete moron. Yeah, the funny we thing. put it on the show. It's kind of comical, but uh, it was terrible. That's what I like is because you guys, you do show that. Well, it, you, show, you show the uh, the mishaps as well as it, the. It, it but it was good because I ended up killing a, I ended up killing, I didn't put a tape on him, but 180 plus Jeez. I killed wow. a day after that. Dang. <laughs> it was wild. The, the, the beauty of archery, right, that has happened to every one of us, especially if you use a roller. I mean, it, it's literally you, you practice at that 70, 80, 90, 100 yards, right? And, yep. and then when you get that bunny shot, man, and like you said, you're so calm because it seems like you're shooting at a 10 yards, right, when he's at 40. And when you let it go, you're so far over its back. It's unbelievable. So we, it's, all. Cra it's crazy, too, because that 40-yard shot literally seemed like 20 yards. I oh, mean, yeah. my pin was, and that, my pin it, was it's, it's easy just to – to get caught up in that moment. I harp on everybody to shoot as much distance as you can. If you can get out to 100 yards, shoot at 100 or 90 or 80 because it makes you a better archer from that that 10 to 40 yards, you know, your typical white shots. Especially those 40-yard shots yeah. because those well, are the ones that normally you, you know. You and I found, too, I found, too, over the years that 30 to 40-yard shot. It's a sweet spot. Is, is the toughest shot because – those deer can move so much. So if you're shooting at a deer at 35 yards and you stop him and he looks, you better be aiming for his brisket because he's dropping. And 
almost all of the deer that I've ever hit high. I'm, I've been really lucky in my career because I haven't, you know, gut shot too many. I either, if I, if I don't make a good shot, it's high almost every time. And it's because they duck at that 35 yard range. Um, but that's the toughest because they go down and you hit them high at 40 and beyond. It seems like they do duck, they come back up and you get them. Um, but that 35 yard, that 35 yard area right there to me is the toughest shot because if you, you know, and the perfect example was last year in Kentucky, two, two seasons ago in Kentucky, I shot a buck and I had some doe tags. So I was like, I'm going to shoot all the, you know, there's all these does in here. And so the first deer I shot at, um, she completely ducked my arrow at, at 40 yards on the button, completely ducked my arrow. Um, and I was just, I just couldn't believe it, you know? And so the next one, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put it on a brisket and she'll drop right into it. Second shot, she didn't duck at all, missed her. So I missed two does in a row, um, one high, one low. And that's the, that's a really tough range at 30 to 40 yards. There's just the movement they can get in there. I would agree know. with that because that is probably the distance. I don't know what the calculation on the speed of sound would be, but when that arrow is coming, they're not ducking at 20. Yeah. You know, at 20, right. wherever you aim is where you're hitting. Yep. When people say yep. a deer ducked an arrow at 20 yards, like, no, it didn't. He it, made a bad shot. You made a bad shot. That's um, right. But at 35 yards, like Nick says, yeah, that, that that's mm-hmm. when that little bit of, you know, two and a half inches, three inches. Now you're talking yep. maybe high lungs if you're lucky. Yeah. And I'm shooting a really heavy arrow, so I'm shooting slow. You know, I'm probably shooting maybe 265. You know, a lot of these guys are shooting 320, 330, 340. I don't know how they do it, but I'm shooting a heavy arrow. I've got a hundred grain, um, insert with a hundred grain broadhead, um, about grain insert. So you're, you're shooting yeah. some weight. Yeah. I'm shooting like 450 grain yeah, arrow. So pretty, why do you like that? It's pretty good. Yes. Because it just blows right through them. Anything, I mean, right? I, I shot one year. I had a, I had a one year deal with a, with a, an arrow company that was trying to do some stuff and then COVID hit and it pretty much ruined them. But I was shooting their arrow for a year. Um, just some guys that I liked and I just wanted to try to help them out and, um, I didn't have any heavy inserts in those arrows and I think they were shooting, I think I was shooting like a 340, 350 grain arrow and boy, I just didn't, I just wasn't getting any pass throughs. I mean, it was, but before that, and then, and now, you know, I put that extra hundred grains in and I mean, it blows through elk, it blows through moose, it blows through I bears. Blows through deer. Yeah. What kind of broadheads are you shooting, Nick? I'm shooting the, I'm shooting the G5. Yep. Um, I'm shooting the dead meat and the mega meat and I just switched to the mega meat and i'm telling you you guys i've never seen anything it it leaves you know i know i know like the rages you know they leave a huge hole um they do, they do a ton of damage um but if you get that two blade and it turns a certain way those holes close up and you just don't get much much blood loss and and g5 um has a two blade to the havoc that is super super sharp it's um they call it Lutz steel, German steel. That's the sharpest there is. You know, it's literally like scalpel type sharp. Um, absolutely devastating. Like it just tears them up inside. But if you get that certain angle Not much and, the, and the wound closes up, you just don't get that much blood loss, which, you know, they're only going 40, 50 yards anyway and dying because it, it tears them up so bad. And, and even with the rages. But with this mega meat, I mean, it puts such a huge hole in them. Like, Every deer that we shot with them this year on video, you can see instantly blood is just pouring out of them. And there's just no question about where they go. I mean, it's just a, it's a walking trail to every one of them. And those inserts, are those brass inserts or are they just? Yeah. Yeah. They're a heavy brass insert. You know, every, every arrow company is a little different. Some (laughs) some have 75 grains, some have hundred or 50. Um, I think Easton even has a few that, you know, are 150 grain. You can bust off part of it. Um, And I'm not a, I'm not a super technical bow hunter. Like I, I, I give my equipment to T-Bone. He sets it up for me. That's me. Um, Brad's opposite. I, I'm the opposite. Brad, I'm Brad, one of those guys. Brad, Brad is T-Bone. I am you. Yeah, I got a bow yeah. press. Yeah, I'm, an, yeah. I'm an animal. I'm an animal guy. Yeah. I'm all about, I'm about yeah, killing I'm all about them. the animals. Yeah. 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 Well, that's interesting. I, I know like uh, Ted Nugent, he shoots really heavy arrows. He's only shooting like 50 pounds, but every yep. single arrow he shoots is just like you said, it is just blowing through 
And, yeah, and uh, he's not making he's not making 60, 70 yard shots. No, you know? well, he does. On you know, some, we're white most hunting, of them are thirty yards. You know? Yeah, when we're whitetail hunting, it's you know, Pope and Young knows that the average whitetails kill at seventeen yards. So, yep. you know, but when you're out west and you're on an elk hunt or you're on a mule deer hunt, I can guarantee you, if you can shoot at seventy yards, you're going to increase your odds by 70 percent, and that's yes. all there is to it. I mean, yeah, it makes a huge difference. And they don't duck and they don't move like whitetails do. Um, but like you were saying earlier, Brad, um, you know, when I go out to shoot, I start at 50 and I go 60, 70, 80, 90 shoot. Mm -hmm. And then I come in and I shoot a couple at 20 and 30. And then about five years ago, man, it was just like a light switched on, on those 50 yard shots, like on a whitetail. I agree. I used to be like, God, that's so far. I'm not even going to try it. But now I'm like, if that sucker makes it to 50 yards, he's going to get an arrow in him somewhere, you know. I, I actually like shooting them in the low 40s because it seems like they're so at ease, even when you grunt to stop them. It just seems like they're like, you know, because they hurt it, but it's a ways away, so they're not fearful. and Shoot them, they don't move, just watch the arrow go through. Yep. Uh, unless he's at 53 and you watch the arrow go right underneath him. Yeah, well. And unfortunately, you know, I was using a lighted knock, so as soon as it left the bow, I was like, yeah. oh, man, that's low. That is low. I'm not hitting that deer. So I had to watch it and just live through the misery. We're gonna have yeah. to. We're gonna have to get uh, Brad in front of another deer so he stops thinking. I uh, know. It's it's been almost a few months. Oh, the turkeys are gonna get the damage. Well, hey, hey, let's talk about a second for the apex challenge. So so yeah. literally, what I like about the turkey angle because you brought up deer. You know, some of us manage our places, and, and you know, deer is tough because if you're in Iowa or even Wisconsin, you're in Buffalo County. Man, it's got big deer. You could be against somebody that's legit hunt, hunting after a 200 inch deer. Turkeys, right. it's kind of like. Like Russian roulette, right? You're spinning the wheel. I mean, you don't know what that turkey has. Sometimes you can tell, you know, like if they got a huge melon or, you know, a huge head or not. I mean, my kid one shot one coming down a dike that that was the largest turkey I've ever seen. Its head was twice the size of that as a normal bird. And we picked it up. I never put it on the scale. If that thing wasn't 35 pounds, I would be shocked because it was the biggest bird I've ever seen. But yeah. We knew that one was going in, but the average turkey, three, four-year-old turkey in Wisconsin, he's going to be 25, 26 pounds, 10, 12-inch no beard. You know what I mean? Like, So it gives everybody that equal chance. All you got to do is film it. So if everybody's wondering, it's apexoutdoorrewards.com. It's a website. Um, Nick, you, I know you've dealt with this for a little bit. Um, a little yeah. bit of insight from you on Apex? Yeah. Um, the thing I like about it is people are like, well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna spend 75 bucks on that. I'll never win. You know, I'm Joe Blow down the road, blah, blah. Well, the great thing about it is there's reward, there's awards for 36th place, for 48th place, for 50th place, for 100th place, blah, 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 down down the line. Not only that is there's drawings for prizes, uh, great discounts on gear, um, just a number of things that you get with the $75 entry fee. And who knows, your turkey might, you know, end up in one of those slots and you take home a thousand bucks. I mean, it's worth, it's worth it just to be a part of the, just to be a part of the, the challenge. Um, and I think it's, I think it just does, it's just something that helps you heighten your experience a little bit. You know, you get in on it, you, you keep, you keep tabs on the leaders. Um, it's just a really fun thing to do. And if you've got kids, I mean, what kid wouldn't want to, you know, get into a competition and maybe walk out of there with a couple hundred bucks, you know, I mean, I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing and I've really enjoyed it. And I'm, I was excited about getting into, you know, on the deer, on the deer hunting side of it, you know, we've kind of got the elite challenge that they're doing for yeah. for those of us who are kind of on the elite side and man i had a great year myself i I've, I've got four bucks that i've entered um i've got um a 160 two in the 160s a 140 and a 130 that i've got entered this year so i'm excited about that and nice um again you know on the deer hunting side of it i think a lot of people say well you know i only shot a 135 you know i know there's a bunch of guys that are shooting 150s or whatever but it's more to it than that. There's so many other ways to win. There's so many, you know, so many prizes that they're drawing. Sweepstakes. Um, and, and actually, they, yeah. you get uh, um, discounts, too, uh, from numerous manufacturers all right. listed there. Um, everybody, if you want to just check it out, it's apexoutdoorrewards.com. It is a pretty, it's a pretty cool, cool thing. I was skeptical when I first saw it, but when I when I looked into it, I was like, actually, that is pretty neat. You know, there's a lot of different things in a lot of different ways that, especially if you're joining it with a buddy, um, you can kind of, it's almost like, I, I don't want to make the parallel, but it's kind of like fantasy football. It makes me watch the football games more 
and this is making me watch the the leaderboards more to see what everybody else is doing. And I, what I like about it is I think it's going to get a lot more people filming their hunts because, like you, Nick, I, I was doing that before we had TV. I was doing it on my personal farm when I was the bow hunter. I was filming it all with, you know, it was in color, but it, the, the camera had a black and white viewfinder. It was hard to see the deer, and I loved it. I mean, I just loved you know, having that footage and, and we used it to show the neighbors, literally, here's what I'm doing. Here's the bucks we're letting go. You know, and that's how we got QDMA really rolling in our area is by showing these guys what type of bucks we had and that I was dumb enough to let a lot of them go. You know what I mean? Like I was letting deer go yeah. that most guys were mounting. And so the great thing about this is on the whitetail side, you have to video your hunt. You can, you can have a friend video. You can video it yourself. You can, you know, if you're a first time entrant, um, you get a free video camera. They send you a 4K video camera to use, which is awesome. Um, I'm still waiting for mine. Um, but you can use your own camera if you want. If you don't want to use that 4K, you can use your own camera. Um, but you have to video a few of the things. There's some requirements. But the turkey side is different. You don't have to vi video your turkey kill. All you have to do is video measuring the spurs, the beard, and the weight of the turkey. And, the, and I think they measure maybe tail, tail fan. Um, but that's the great part about the turkey challenge is you don't have to video your, your hunt. You just have to video measuring your turkey. Um, just keeping everybody honest as far as what the yeah, yeah. actual weight is. Because yeah. and the, and the, and yep. everybody shot one with two-inch spurs, right? I mean, it's like. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> is that the one you Every shot one. with two-inch spurs? No, he had inch and seven-eighths. <laughs> uh, Dan's got a legit there. I, I do not. I haven't okay. got anything over an inch yeah. and a half. Inch so. and seven-eighths. Yeah, it was off a property that uh, was nobody was allowed to hunt it, kind of like what you are mentioning before, Nick. And um, the first two turkeys, one was inch and seven eighths, the other one was inch and a half. And those turkeys yeah. had never been hunted. It was just like, I remember bringing that into work and, and throwing it in front of uh, Brian, and Brian's looking at it, and he kind of did a double take because he thought it was the toe. He said, wait a second, that's a spur. You know, yeah, it, was yeah, it wasn't the whole turkey, Nick. It was literally no, Dan, not, Dan yeah. just brought in the just, feet of just the turkey. In, just yeah, in, just to be nice. Is this a good one? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, see, around here, you know, these turkeys are. Mm. They're corn fed and soybeans and they're just giant. Their bodies are giant. They look completely different than like a Georgia Eastern, you know, yeah. they're, they're 10 pounds heavier. I mean, those birds down there, they might get 20 pounds. Yep. These, these turkeys here, my steps on Jack, he, he shot one two years ago over my buddies that lives behind me about a mile. Um, we were set up on this little food plot and, um, Turkey came in front of us and didn't come in the food plot. Well, then all of a sudden I could hear drumming right behind the blind. Um, so I peeked out the blind and it was just this giant gobbler, you know, and so I told Jack, I said, Jack, just stick your gun out through the back of the blind and shoot that sucker. You know, he's not going to come to the decoys. And so he stuck out the back window and he shot him and this turkey, I'm not kidding you. Like the turkey you were talking about, Brad, this thing was Amazing. at least 30 pounds, you know, 11 and a half inch beard. I didn't measure the spurs, but well over an inch and a half. I mean, just a freaking giant wow. turkey, biggest, biggest turkey I've ever seen really. And, uh, I mean, that's just how these birds are around here. They just live on this corn, and, and they're just humongous. I don't know. I don't know why they get so. Uh, my, my son's bird, uh, you know, we put this together after the fact. There was an older lady that had her bird feeder down at the end of the road, and I swear that bird ate from that bird feeder all winter long because he came through winter, you know, as big as ever, and then we just killed him you know, 40 acres away from there. So nice and plump. I don't think you'd fit that one in the fryer. though. No. Okay. So, so Nick, I got, I got my son who's 10, right. And, and we hear these birds start gobbling behind us. So we turn around, open up a window. Cause you can tell they're coming and, and you could hear multiple gobbles. So I'm, I'm expecting three or four, 18 long beards run down a deer trail, single file. And literally they all start fanning out right around the, 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 uh, blind. And he looks back at me and he says, which one should I shoot? I was like, it doesn't matter. Just put the – and he goes, I can't see their heads. So I just made one little yelp, and they all came out of strut and gobbled at the same time. And he shoots, and it looked like you were in the chicken coop. There are turkeys flying everywhere. And with him being so small, I was trying to look at turkeys. He gets blown back into the back of the blind, and I catch him. We flip it open, and he runs out there, and there's a dead bird. But, yeah, 18 long beers at one time. Uh, I've never had that 
four in so, Wisconsin. So that will tell That's you great. you have to buy some extra hey, tags. There's why you got it. So we and, get a lot of two-year-olds. Tur- turn your oh, okay. turn your truck uh, east and drive across <laughs> the state. Okay, we're going to wrap yeah. it up right there. Um, I, I wanted to put that one uh, URL out there again, apexoutdoorrewards.com, about uh, what we were all talking about here for the past 10 minutes. And, Nick, where can people get a hold of you, um, watch Bone Collector, and just keep in, t- keep in touch with everything you're up to? Yeah, well, uh, you can follow me on my social medias, um, Nick Munt on, um, you know, almost everything, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I do have a, I do have a new booking agency that I'm that I'm doing. I'm booking hunts all over the country for different outfitters. So if you're looking for any kind of elk, moose, deer, bear, turkeys, pheasants, whatever you whatever you want to hunt all over the planet, we've got it. Um, and you can see all that on my website, nickmunt.com. Um, and then Bone Collector, of course, is on uh, main showing Sunday nights at 9:30 Eastern, 8:30 Central. We've got uh, BoneCollector.com. Um, the new shotguns can be purchased there. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of cool stuff there on our store as well. And, and, um, we just hope you keep tuning in. We've, you know, it's been a pleasure for us over the last 15 years to bring all this kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, we just feel lucky to get to do it and hopefully we can keep doing it for a while. Cause really it's about all we know how to do. So thank you, Nick for Nick Thanks, guys. and Brad rocks. I am Dan Schmidt. Thank you for joining us for deer talk. Now tune in next Thursday for a brand new podcast. And until then good hunting. And we'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by Drop Tine Spirits and their premium 12-point bourbon whiskey. The story of Drop Tine's finest bourbon starts with being double barrel aged. What this means is they first age the bourbon in new charred oak barrels in America's heartland, then send it to California to be finished in the salt air of the Pacific in the finest brandy barrels. Finishing their bourbon in brandy barrels was the choice of many trials find flavors as unique as the drop time deer. They wanted a bourbon that is not only warm to the palate, but it would sip smoothly and leave notes of fruit behind. They found the perfect brandy barrels in the Russian River Valley near Sonoma, California, and what they created is a bourbon whiskey that exhibits a sweet, floral, almost honey-like aroma balanced by caramel, toasted wood, brown sugar, and toffee. 12-point bourbon is only available online, To get a taste for yourself after the hunt, visit droptime.com. Deer Talk Now is also brought to you by HuntStand and the new HuntStand Pro app. Let me tell you, I've been using the HuntStand app for a couple seasons now, and I can honestly say it has changed the way I hunt. There's no more guessing on wind direction, property lines, and stand locations. The app takes my hunting to precise new levels that help me be more successful. The new HuntStand Pro app unlocks unlimited property data on a nationwide basis, including detailed property boundaries throughout the United States and most of Canada, including property owners' names in the United States with detailed ownership information. You can also access detailed public land maps and search for properties on a county, state, or province level. There are so many features that also help you dial in on the best spots based on weather conditions. For more information, visit the App Store or log on to HuntStand.com. This podcast is brought to you by Cuddyback Cameras. I'm going to tell you guys, I've known Mark Cuddyback personally for over 20 years, and I've been using those cameras for over 18 years on Deer and Deer Hunting TV. The recent technology in the past few years has absolutely blown me away, and for those of you who don't have great cell coverage where you hunt, Cuddyback's ability to daisy chain from one camera to another camera with new CuddyLink technology is an absolute lifesaver. With the ability to connect 24 cameras, I place one home base camera at the edge of my property, swap that card out just once a month, and I get a look at all the activity on my entire property. My deer stay unpressured and the conditions are prime for opening day of bow season. For those of you who have the luxury of cell service, Check out their new Cuddyback Tracks technology. This is game changing. For more information, go to cuddyback.com. Deer Talk is also brought to you by Traditions Firearms, a family owned business and inventor of the new Nitro Fire muzzleloader. When owner and president Tom Hall and his daughter Allison first showed me the Nitro Fire system, I was immediately impressed that it is not only more convenient than conventional muzzleloaders, but it is safer. The ability to quickly remove the powder charge is a big deal. 
such as when crossing a fence, climbing into or out of a tree stand, transporting your rifle in a truck or an ATV, or when hiking rough hills, wading creeks, or plunging through swamps. I've used the Nitro Fire on numerous deer and deer hunting TV hunts over the past two years, and I find it safe, accurate, and very dependable. The gun is available in numerous configurations. To learn more, visit traditionsfirearms.com. The Deer Talk Now podcast is also brought to you by Apex Outdoor Rewards. Hit record and win rewards. Enter the Apex Whitetail Challenge in your state for your opportunity to win big cash. Enter today and get a 4K camera absolutely free. That's a $300 value absolutely free. There are some serious rewards here, guys, so be sure to enter in your state. Who would have thought your next buck could be putting money in your pocket? Reserve your spot today at apexoutdoorrewards.com. The Deer Talk Now podcast is also brought to you by Full Range Mounting Systems. These mounting systems are a great way to manage all of your mounts in a stylish and organized manner. We are using their pedestal mount here on the podcast set for two shoulder mounts and it looks just awesome. Be sure to check out all their mounting solutions at fullrangesystems.com. And finally, Deer Talk Now is brought to you by 10 Point Crossbow Technologies. Hey, if you've watched me on Deer and Deer Hunting TV, you know that I'm an equal opportunity bow hunter, and for most of the past decade, that has also included crossbows. In fact, I shot my first crossbow deer with a 10-point over 12 years ago, and to say that I've been impressed with their technology is an understatement. This year, I'm shooting the new Nitro 505, the fastest crossbow in the world. It is light, compact, and includes the revolutionary AccuSlide cocking and decocking technology. Whether I'm in a tree stand, ground blind, or spot and stalk hunting, I know the Nitro 505 is up to any challenge. Check one out at a dealer near you or log on to 10pointcrossbows.com for more information.